thanks for coming and listening to what we have to say. Really appreciate it. A lot of good points hit on earlier, just talking about how the news is affecting everybody and can sway each other. And I kind of just give all of the news a middle finger and just keep on trucking because we know where all of this is going. We know, you know, they want us out of it. They don't want us in it. They know it's an asset that we can invest in and make loads of money. Follow the TC and, you know, we're all going to get there. And they just, they don't want us there. And they're going to keep trying to push us down and push us down and, you know, try and influence us. Like a lot of people do in life, they try to influence you. Don't let that influence get in your head. Just keep remembering in the back of your head that they just want us out. They want to do all that they can do to keep us from making the money that is available for us to make. Um, I love listening to the news and laughing at it. I do a lot of laughing at all of it. And a lot of that, you know, being Jonas and Flo and Danny and everybody in here, all y'all, you know, we like to laugh at it all because we all know that we know where it's going, you know. But I was going to talk a little bit about, and not, not long, but just transferring assets from exchanges to wallets, from wallets to mainnets, from mainnets to other areas. And if anybody's new and anybody needs uh, a second, if you're second guessing anything, and I still sometimes second guess it. I mean, I reached out to a couple people yesterday about some NFT stuff that I was second guessing myself on where to cross chain it. But always keep in mind that if you're second guessing something, reach out to us and maybe one of us will have the answer. If not, I research and I can find crap within minutes too. And I'm here to help as well if you if you need anything. Jonas, Jonas has been doing it a lot longer than me few years longer than i have but the main thing is is when you're sending cryptos from one mainnet to another mainnet you need to make sure that you have the correct contract addresses because you cannot just flip over in your metamask to ethereum mainnet copy your address and then go over to your binance mainnet and send it to your main that a main address because they're identical addresses so you have to make sure you change the 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 on-chain address for that asset to send it over to your mainnet in your MetaMask. There's lots of YouTube videos how to do it. Um, don't ask for advice on Twitter or YouTube or any of them people. They're all going to scam you. Um, if you ever see a YouTube or a, you see a comment in a Twitter, MetaMask support here, that's scam. Always scam. 100% scam. Chrono is doing a node. It's a scam. Pyramid scheme right now. I went through their whole Twitter and people were having issues all day yesterday and there was nothing but Chrono, Mainnet, support. Reach out to us. They're just stealing coins. Uh, it was all fake support and i was calling them out on twitter scam do not do it scam do not do it i probably spent 25 minutes just trying to save people from getting scammed and uh it pisses me off but reach out we can help y'all on that kind of stuff especially like if you're moving harmony off a of qcoin you know you're moving luna you got to get those right contract addresses sending them out to your wallets or to your other you know areas that you're dabbling in send those those assets out you do not ever want to lose that money i've taught a lot of people that always send five bucks first you know even if the gas fee's 10 it's going to save you four or five hundred if you're sending a thousand dollars you know just send you know a small amount and make sure you can send it back will that crypto come back to the exchange so you want to send a little and then send it back and make sure it works before doing it um i do that with every project 
I will send a little bit of money over and send a little bit of money back and make sure it comes back. It's worth me losing $10, $15 and losing the whole $1,000 or 5000 or whatever you're sending. You know, it's worth it to make sure you're not going to lose that money. And, and, it, and it hits on another safety feature in cryptos to be safe, you know. Make sure all of that happens and you mark it off your list. It works. Okay, I'm going to do it now and I'm going to send I'm going to send another little bit and make sure it works. And then another little bit and then the whole big bang boom on the third or fourth send because it, it will get lost if you put in the wrong address. Bye bye. And and there's guys in here. I've read it and we have all done it. We've accidentally done a rookie move and, and lost a couple hundred bucks here or there. Yeah, that was what I was going to hit on. I had to send some BUSD from Binance, well, from Ethereum mainnet to Binance mainnet because I sent it to the Ethereum mainnet year a year ago by accident, and I decided to go ahead, since gas fees were down to $18 today, to send it out. I use a special, well, it's not special, it's on it's on Google, you can Google it, it's a gas fee app, and you can, you can punch in your gas fee amounts, and it'll tell you what it'll cost you, so I'm constantly checking gas fees on ETH every single day. That's a good little tip right there google gas fee ethereum gas fee and you can do you a, a test right there to see what it would cost you and what fees are running i guess i'll just end it there and just kind of make sure everybody in this discord everybody that you know is in cryptos just keep pushing the fact that the news and the government and whatever you're hearing is just noise and if as long as you can realize that you can listen to it laugh at it dissect it and realize that they're all just trying to get us out of it and uh i think that the best opportunity like jonas said that's why we have ust and ausd and all these new DeFi stables out now that we're we can we can separate ourselves from the government and eventually move that money back into our bank accounts one day watch watch those slides from jonas on how to how to keep yourself safe and just just filter out that news don't let it affect you i mean it affected me the first couple of years i was in cryptos i had so many questions why are they saying it's all going to zero now we freaking say it's all going to zero and laugh about it because we know it's not going to zero but just kind of keep all that in mind and reach out to us we can help out in any way possible we will be there to help you out what you got pile i don't know i think we have with the flow as well with us oh with the too okay yeah with the flow, see, I'm beeping myself. I'm gonna be a good boy tonight and try and not put some euros in the swear jar. Oh, good. Oh, maybe we should make it. No, I'm not gonna even come up with that idea because I'm gonna be the main contributor to a triple confirmation swear tip jar <laughs> or TC token. I'm gonna do the TC token jar. <laughs> exactly. Are you there, Flo? We have it tonight. Yeah, man, what's up? Hey, here we go. Yeah, you make extra work for the editors, so you'll have to donate TC every time you swear. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's a good way to train myself. There you go. Yeah. It's very tame in America. Like, the culture here, even since I moved back to Ireland, is it's so loose. It's looser than Australia, and they swear a lot. Like, people swear, like, fisherwomen in business meetings here. And it's like... Yeah, that budget about this idiot and this is a piece of whatever, like, in, in America, no, that doesn't fly. Like, I've been there, I've done it, and I've been, like, told, stop. Um, so I guess, guys, tonight, like, I really appreciate um, 
know the contributions for that yam lords um and especially chris's sentiments last week and the discussion afterwards because i guess as sessions go on we're going to start getting kind of deeper and deeper into things that we refine through feedback so i think bearing in mind and like you can listen back on spotify itunes whatever having yourself to chris goldstein's session last week on emotions and following systems and processes and planning. And that will certainly apply to, I think, some of the topics we can touch on tonight and discuss. Um, and pertinently in the world that we are in today, which has drastically changed in the last two weeks, I think energy is probably a good place to start. Um, so I find it extremely helpful to start. Uh, by the way, I'll start dropping slides into the session chat. Uh, I was going to do a presentation, didn't go around to actually gluing it together. Um, and I know some people won't be able to see these, but maybe do it dive into the sessions chat if they're listening to the podcast afterwards. But if there's one image that I really like people to look at, I've just dropped it in there now. And I think what I'm most confident in looking at are kind of trends and dynamics and cycles. Um, because a lot of us are probably, you know, uh, Zoomers, Millennials, elders, millennials, um, and even the odd um, Gen Z uh, or Gen X. And like I came out of college, GFC, you know, saw the whole last 10 or 12 years kind of going, what the fuck is going on here? Nothing makes sense. And I watched this lecture around a year and a half ago. I posted it a couple of times in Discord and I'll do it again. But it very much describes kind of generational cycles. And in a lecture, and as a chart describes, it, it really highlighted that a lot of this anthropological aspects has a profound impact on what humans keep on doing over and over and over again um, as a species. And I even posted this on Twitter a couple of weeks back, but I didn't post the text underneath it because even a Jonas was really pointing out to the group, hey, like this war happening is, is very high likelihood. It's really worth paying attention to. It will change everything. I was still like smoking the opium. Actually, posted the, the image, but not the text beneath, which I'll read out now, which is somewhere between 2000 2005. It kind of got the time frame a bit off. There will be an event that will change the mood of society and trigger the crisis period. Over the period 2020 2025, the crisis will reach its climax. And it's just fucking remarkable that that's what we're happening today. Um, I think we're seeing insane prices at the pumps. Um, <laughs> Yes, it's certainly accentuated due to war, but it, 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 it just momentum swung it up. It was really happening already for in terms of extremely long trends. Um, and from that perspective, we're in for a really um, a really interesting, at least is uh, probably the, the fairest way you can put it, you know, five to, five to ten years in my view. Uh, the world is going to change more than it's changed in the last... 50 to 80, even 100 years. Um, like, if you look at any civilization, uh, I don't know if anyone out there has played like games like Stellaris or basically any kind of like MMO kind of game. I don't know what's the right way to put it, but, you know, if, if, if you're managing your little or civilization, you know, you're managing your, your, your um, territory or, or whatever, and you don't have enough energy, it all goes to shit. You can't build anything, your population is dying, and your army is, you know, you can't, you can't build one. And then you look at some of the more idealistic aspects of our future, things like Star Trek, what's the common denominator, you know, free energy. Um, so 
I think Flow is looking at some really interesting charts, kind of prove that out before I kind of move on to some of the other effects and maybe where there are some opportunities in this. But I'm my previous view was that the mistiming of the energy transition from fossil fuels to things like nuclear and, and renewables would happen over, you know, a really long time frame. And I think we've seen in terms of policy, 10 years being brought forward into the next two or three. Um, and it's going to be really interesting what happens in terms of, you know, what it means for everything, what it means for food, transport, um, what other dynamics and trends it sets off in terms of labor, housing, migration, you know, competitiveness. And I, I definitely would want to take a more optimistic view for people who are switched on and working hard that there are opportunities to do this. Uh, it was all doom and gloom back in 2010, 2012. To be honest with you, some people realized what the Ponzi was, they got in, and now they're at the top of the hill. So I'm going to stop talking for a moment. Uh, Flo, you were looking at the oil chart. I think you might bring some some clarity to kind of where we were going long term, regardless of the current. Well, what we were talking about is looking at the oil chart. It's easy to see the high prices. And first thing most people do is, is go to the news and see what's been going on. And what I've been trying to do lately with looking at the long term charts of this is since the market is just a never ending stream of opportunities. I mean, we could have looked at prices a year or two years ago as pretty much a prime time to buy. Now, I was looking at the monthly chart on oil, for example, and the last time it confirmed up was, I think, December of 2020. And now look where it is today. And what where I'm going with this is we all know money controls the world. And what we can start doing is looking at these commodities since they, they are what governs a lot of these policies and try to gain an understanding from, like you said, with from energy and where the chart is and kind of try to understand what's going on in the world based on what the chart is telling us and not necessarily flocking to the news right away. Because even with what's going on in the world, I mean, I was looking at oil on the one hour chart and there was a bearish div. And to me, I mean, I didn't short it because I was like, ah, it's too sketchy of a time, you know, we could get a news event and who knows where this will go. But sure enough, I mean, we came down 12% on the day and it almost, if I covered up the ticker and you didn't know this was oil, you could have traded it based on the indicators and still have been successful, even though what we think is going on with oil right now is purely just what's going on with the war in Russia. And so trying to basically just tune out what I see in the news and look at these commodities from a like a technical analysis standpoint. And I think PO is a wealth of knowledge in kind of applying these different commodities and just the way our world works. So... Yeah, yeah. And like I saw that happen. I just posted not the not a trading view um, TC setup chart, but you know the politics behind it. It's very you can see this as in the same way as crypto. You know, you're like this is topping out, and next thing Tesla are like, oh, uh, we don't want to have any Bitcoin because of like pollution and shit. And you know the the chart kind of points out what's happening in news already. Um, and if you want to play in a bullish market that's going to be bullish for several years, you know, and there's going to be so much dynamism in the market as well, because you've got, you know, probably a longer tail now and probably a shorter flood of investment into extraction of fossil fuels. Um, but 
in my view, but it's probably a different discussion, long term, like the money should still be flowing into like nuclear and ESG and stuff like that. Because um, so you're kind of going to have two investment cycles, which is kind of two bullish environments to play in. If you, you follow that thesis, um, but, you know, I think the welcome part about this community and even just a chat with you and you pointing out that like, hey, guys, if you literally lived under a rock and looked at the oil chart, you could have played that like any crypto using the tools and the strategies and the feedback you get in you know, this community. Yeah, and Danny made a good point. He, he said there was a news event that triggered the crash. Yeah. Um, but the, the one-hour div I was talking about came about 18 hours ago. And mm-hmm. so it's just interesting how it kind of like was in the chart before the news. And, then, um, and I didn't see the news personally, but he's saying right now that it, the, the div was confirmed before he saw that news that triggered the crash. So just interesting. I mean, also if people who longed oil when it was at the bottom, I mean, the higher it goes, like eventually they, they're going to want to take profit. They're not going to want to write it back down as well. And that's what I mean. It's just like these things are still susceptible to market mechanics in just the same way as um, they are by the news. So, Yeah, if people can bear with me and find the right chart because um, sticking on this team, you know, so what you're seeing in the chart are you're seeing hiking ashy candles and you're seeing momentum oscillators. So the divergence happened when the momentum oscillators, which is probably a more realistic view of where the money is flowing or how it's flowing, you know, changed, bef- you know, and the actual price action still continued because it was kind of slingshotted up. So, you know, even just I'm kind of reading what Danny is saying in the chat because I think we're all hooking on to the same thing in that it is priced in, you know, if it diverges. That's real-time money oscillating data saying, hey, less people are buying this and are starting to distribute now. You know, they'd be basically just T-whopping out. Um, so maybe a lot of people were selling this news because they knew it. And I, I didn't mention the UAE. I, I thought there would be a deal done with Iran, actually. And given that, you know, the EU and the US are going around the world, kind of going to people, hey, look, we'll build bridges if you can turn on the taps. Um, they're like, mate, there's a lot more credibility to what we can see in the charts, then I think, I don't think it's hoodoo magic. Like, I think that's actually what's just happening, you know, especially in regards to divergences. Exactly. And also it gives us a lot more of a grounded view. I've just been observing how like friends and family have been reacting to, I mean, specifically prices at the pump and, you know, like they obviously just go right to the news. And I mean, a lot of them are living in just a lot of stress right now and just don't have no clarity with where things are going and in a way this is grounding because it's okay okay i i have the data right in front of me i get to look at that i'm not looking at trending news because everybody's clicking on that in a way it is clickbait i'm not saying that what's like i recognize what's going on in the world but at the same time it can be very stressful to kind of find clarity um in 100 i like i hope everyone listens to this um they're wrong half the time, you know, the news all day this evening and even in the main news and it was coming up my feed was like, do you know, oil is going to $250 a barrel and you're like, look at the chart, it pulled back, <laughs> you know, like these guys are wrong, like they're not plugged in, they're getting a Reuters feed that's 18 hours old and then reading out in the news, you know, or someone's putting a, a quarter in their back of their head to say things. So like, as much as the charts are like, you know, I think they go to, they do tell the story, you know, dig deeper, go to, go to page five on Google, you know, 
there are some amazing industry publications and stuff that you can find to find out like what's actually happening. Um, and I think to say on that, I I do think that you know you can look at oil prices right now and wheat and people are starting to long this. You know, it was up how many hundred percent, and people were like, oh my god, it's going to the moon, and they were throwing money at wheat, and all of a sudden. They don't understand the industry, you know, like there is obviously risk to harvests, large wheat harvests. At the same time, you know, the weather has been a bit different in other parts of the world that there might be a large shortfall made up um, of that. So I think there's a lot of short term stuff. I wouldn't be certainly wouldn't be trading any commodities short term. Um, I wouldn't be trading commodities because what I hear in the news, I'd be looking at the charts and trying to find what makes sense to you over the next couple of years. Um, I'm not a farmer, <laughs> you know, I'm not finding any of that stuff. Uh, it looks really interesting, but it also looks super topped out in any chart. And, you know, it, it's, gee, it, it's just dependent on the one probably most important thing happening in the world right now. And why, why I think some solidarity with like cutting off like an aggressor state, invading another. Um, if we got to pay more to pumps for a while, other solutions can be found. Um, I think it's personally, I think it's the right thing to do and kind of suck it up and maybe maybe trade some of it. And like I've been trading natural gas and in my head, it's not a lot of money, but I'm trying to hedge my bill. And that's that's even kind of fun in its own right, trying to get used to them. Yes. And you shared something that um, the price movement in natural gas was due to a short squeeze. Um, do you know more about that? It was nickel. So like, I, I think that's uh, it touches on this again. So the news was reporting Everything's gone through the roof, including nickel, and they weren't even explaining it was a short squeeze situation where one of the largest producers of nickel in the world, and it's a common thing for producers of commodities to do, he had a short open, you know, and he got a bit too greedy and a bit too heavy into it, mismanaged it, and people attacked that, you know. Oh, yeah, I saw that one as well. Um, I I believe it was a woman talking in a podcast about the natural gas. It was a while back. Excuse me. So, yeah, in terms of natural gas, like, I'm buying U.S. natural gas. It hasn't pumped like crazy yet. But I fully believe, like, you know, until this war is over, I I, I think even public sentiment will drive Europe to not buy any hydrocarbons from Russia. Um, and who's the biggest, co- who's, in terms of natural gas, which powers a lot of Europe, like a lot of houses, are, you know, uses for heating um, and an industry. I think U.S. natural gas is what, what's inevitably going to supply that market. Um, what kind of demand is there? And you can take kind of a view then on, like, regardless of what happens in the war, in terms of the war of the next six months, I just don't see these sanctions going away. So you've got a fundamental shift of 550 million people on the continent of Europe, excluding Russia, if you kind of see them as part of the continent or not. Um, I think that's the third world population of North America. Um you know, like they need to buy gas from somewhere. So that's why I'm really looking at that. Yeah. And another another point is that one of these commodities could rally oh, just yeah. based on a short squeeze. Um, I know, um, for example, my dad was um, affected by that, that price movement. And just seeing him jump right into like a um, more from a per- political, like searching for political reasoning as to why these prices moved. Mm-hmm. Strictly are just moved by like market mechanics, a short squeeze, and just like that really opened my eyes to stop stop looking for um, 
for answers in the news necessarily and start just paying attention to these commodities. And, um, yeah. and you really opened up my eyes to start looking at those. I mean, you've been sharing lithium, natural gas, all of these things in your channel for months now. And Yeah, and I, I, like, I like the way you put it like that. It's non-political. Energy is what powers your civilization. Like, I don't particularly care what anyone believes in. I care about, like, what the solutions are going to be. So, like, regardless of whether people believe in climate change or not, I, look, I don't care. I'll still have a beer with you. But I'll still argue that it's nice to kind of, like, not have smog because we're not burning coal, you know, like, all that kind of stuff. So, like, if we have fusion energy, great. If we need windmills, grand. I just don't really care as long as it creates jobs and it's cheap and it doesn't fuck up the air and rivers and stuff. And when you look at that kind of future, you know, we're all consumers of that technology. I guess we could have looked at phones, you know, mobile phones like 10 years ago and just been like, oh, buy Apple stock because this is obvious. So cool to have a phone with a camera. I can play games. I can watch porn. You know, I can talk to my friends. Um, and electric cars are obviously like, I just, you know, I don't, <laughs> I drive a 1989 Mitsubishi Pajero, it's a really loud 2.4 diesel, and I love it. <laughs> but I know that it just makes complete sense for me to be driving some form of electric car. And I'm excited in a way because right now we only have Tesla and a few others. And I know that we're going to all get this cool new generation of cars from all these different manufacturers. And like, that's dope. I'll embrace it, you know, as long as it's cheap and it's safe. Um, and I think if you can invest in that, that's cool too. Um, so, like, lithium is 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 absolutely a really fascinating way to look at things. In terms of other commodities, I let me just, touching back on an oil and kind of feeding that out. So I just posted a chart, and I guess the other layer to all this is inflation. So you've got energy inflation, you've got monetary inflation. Monetary inflation obviously affecting, you know, commodities a lot more um, in a lot of ways. But typically, and this happened back in 2008, I think, Oil prices topped out two months before Lehman Brothers happened and the great financial crisis. Um, oil prices topped out in around 2018, um, just before like the Fed decided, actually, we can't raise rates even though we want to, and therefore the asset bubble perpetuated. Um, oil prices go parabolic and top out, and then there's recessions because you can see it with your own eyes. People can't afford to go to work. They can't afford to do that job. Businesses can't afford to like have a delivery driver up, blah, 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 you know, and that can be that pedantic, but it's it's demand destruction and it's 99.9 times out of 10, like you'll have a cool off in the economy. And with the cover of a lot of news we're hearing, um, I'm a bit skeptical of the market pricing in low interest rise, rate rise um, regime. I, I think they might be misjudging that the Fed is going to like not be as aggressive with rate hikes. I think that crazy shit gives policymakers excuses to do things. And Paul Volcker used that in the 80s. And it's not something that I think the Feds don't, the Fed doesn't have the balls to do, depending on what part of the political cycle there is in the US. <laughs> you know? So I'd hedge my bets on like a more aggressive than the blase market right now, kind of thinking 2.2. 0.25 rate in March, rise in March. You know, I uh, maybe the Fed will, maybe they will just, you know, go 0.5 or, or, or do something like that. So I'd be careful about being like any kind of narrative that you hear because 
I wish I could find a chart, but in terms of equities, uh, it was actually a Bloomberg article, and it was basically saying in terms of equities over the last two weeks, institutions have been getting out, but retail have been like just replacing them, <laughs> like a wall of money. Um, and all that money is all the shit that's been saved up since, you know, over COVID. A lot of people managed to, you know, save money. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I really think like things need, still need a big correction at some point. I just don't know what's going to happen. Um, but like, I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these surges in, um, these surges in prices, I mean, people are hurting all over the world. I mean, Chris was talking about how in Poland just oil prices are becoming, I mean, people are still on salary. And they just they could take a hit short term, but long term, I mean, if these things keep going, how are how are people going to be able to to just afford these? I mean, you talked about wheat as well. I know you had a lot to share about that. Yeah, in terms of wheat, wheat? yeah. Um, so the wheat narrative is something I'm a bit skeptical of. I think you're looking at two forces hitting agriculture and food right now. I think you're seeing where is it? I'll drop it in chat. It's the most one of the stupidest charts I've ever seen in my life. I think no, that's a credit suite shield spread. That's equally as interesting. Um, of course, I don't have it. Uh, the fertilizer, their fertilizer features have gone nuts because fertilizer basically made of natural gas and you know, um, or produce using it. So you've got input costs hitting food producers, and you can be kind of class, you know, kind of clever in how you hedge that. You know, if you eat a lot of meat, maybe buy some now. Stuff that costs more to make, or like we're coming into spring in northern hemisphere. Hey, go plant some shit. But there's a force that way. At the same time, like, you know, you hear in the news, oh, the farmers haven't gone out in Russia and Ukraine yet to plant their wheat. And, like, when you read the actual farmers' news, they're like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. It's winter wheat. It's planted in December. You know, it's in the ground. The worry is about harvesting it in June or July. Um, so, I don't know. I wouldn't be longing wheat. I think it's a bit overblown, but I do think it's sensible that like some governments now, like even here in Ireland, are saying plant more, plant more animal fodder, maybe plant more like whatever, because you know we might need to use it. But yeah, like I don't need a lot of wheat, so um, it's going to be a third world. It's it's really going to impact the third world. Not that I wouldn't care about that. Um, I think what happens next in terms of like you know if things get bad, so. I'm not going to chart the equities market, but I, I do see some other interesting macro things happening. If if like inflation keeps on going up, and you know there is a big interest rate rise, so here we go. Um, this remains unchanged. So margin debt is at ridiculous extremes. Um, I do believe investment banks have completely lost the plot. Where is my credit Suisse credit default swap spread? So a lot of European banks in particular look like real shit right now. Um, if there's a debt bubble, which there absolutely is. Um, and it's really a matter of like, can they kind of keep the Ponzi going um, much longer or not? Like when you look at US Treasury 10-year yields, um, everything right now is pointing to risk, 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 risk. You know, And if you're not trading, I would probably still be holding the US dollar. Because Russia could default soon, and that's a real risk to a knockoff of other sovereign debt. Um, let me post Italy one. So Italy's sovereign debt has gone like really bad right now. Um, so whatever the hell has happened in the last two weeks, the next two weeks will be equally as crazy. Like risk indicators for sovereign debt and banks 
and the credit market in general have really started to look very, very, very risky. Um, I believe, I don't really actually believe the European stock market is overpriced. I think it's, um, I think it's actually just taken its correction. I'm just going to post that in there. Um, but like, I don't have an S&P to hand right now, but like it, it just, it needs a, almost a 50% correction to look healthy. I think it's on skating on thin air. Um, and I think the only way it can grow is if there's money in the economy. And I just don't see money in the economy. If there's tightening of credit due to debt risk, lack of disposable income because of energy inflation, and you can ignore monetary inflation because energy inflation is so much stronger. So what do you do? Where do you put your money? You know, I think almost anything you're going to go into right now, you could end up. You could end up where people in the 2000s were. They had a very good decade. They plowed their money into stuff or they gave their money to people who they trusted to manage it. And they came out the other side of the GFC with, you know, basically their pension fund or whatever stock indices they had allocated, basically being back where they started at the beginning of that decade. And I think in this high volatility environment, I wouldn't be critical at all critical at all of someone who says hey i'm going to hold cash even though you're going to see 10 percent inflation and then if you're going to hold that cash what cash you're going to hold have one look at the dxy and say hey look the dollar is just where it's going to be the safest haven even though it's rotten you know but if you're losing 10 percent, it's better than losing 90 percent, in my view so i guess i'll probably try and sum up my thoughts there and we can take some questions or jay and johnny if you want to chat to uh, you know the flow but um i i think like you know from this discourse so far one of the emotional aspects and maybe i'll try and close up by touching that back with really what i want everyone to listen to over and over and over again which is like chris's wise words last week if you don't have a plan stack stables you know you can't lose that way you can't mess up if you're not making bad decisions and when the water is this choppy, it's like standing on the side of a beach and you're looking out and you're like, big waves are coming at you and you don't know where to go or what to do. And you can just stay on the beach. You know, you don't have to paddle out. Like, you don't have to take the risk of drowning, you know, and taking a risk. And yeah, I think in these times, like, if you can find an edge because you know something and you understand it and you can kind of relate to it, I think that's great. But um it's really like you're going to get shot in the back of the head if you do anything that's inspired by FOMO. Um, yeah. No FOMO. No FOMO. No FOMO. Don't get shaken out either of anything. Yep. Uh, so for people listening, um, if they want to kind of gain a better understanding by following like energy like you are, um, what are some tickers that, that yep. you follow specifically okay. like your energy watch list? So I think it depends on where you live. So if you're European, you're kind of like you're kind you're you're more gonna have to trade CFDs and kind of like big name US and Canadian Australian energy stocks and then European stuff. I think if we're in the US, you know, you've got so many amazing EFT options. You know, I'd just be allocating and throwing stuff at you know anything that's gonna be part of the future. You know, metals, metal EFTs, I can't remember the name of the one, it was a really good one. Uh, energy, you know, just commodity um, CME stuff, you know. You probably have to go through brokers, but like 
hey, I want a lithium in this because I know there's going to be lots of batteries so you don't have to stock pick. I think if you're going to stock pick in energy, it's you got to you got to do some serious serious research and I'm not really comfortable with a lot of it so I am just trading raw commodities. Um I think you got to be watching the news, you got to be watching like, you know, earnings. There's so much to risk that like I talked to some smart people about this and they're like you're going to end up being a geologist. You know, if you're in a stock pick and try and find an edge with energy stocks if you want real gains. So just find someone smart who can allocate to an index or an EFT for you uh, or trade a commodity. And I think our best chance here, guys, with TC, works beautiful natural gas. Flow, you see what's happening with oil on that chart. Um, you know, if you don't like what's happening in the crypto market, everything's going sideways and it's choppy and you've got two weeks to waste. Hey, maybe just cop some energy shit. Yeah, thanks for your really great insight. I don't know, like, I'd be interested actually to hear from you guys in America because I, it's kind of like, Europe has taken massive steps that I'm like astonished in the last two weeks. And even if they roll back from some of them, I'm still like, you know, Germany are like, okay, we're going to actually keep nuclear and start reconsidering that. We're going to scrap this pipeline. We're going to build two natural gas terminals. Like, wow, it it really is up to the US, you know, because like, it, it's not judgmental for me to say, but like, I remember once I rented a Toyota Camry and I felt uncomfortable on the highway because it, it, it's not a small car, but it felt like a small car in America. And I was like, why is everything a 4.8 liter truck? Like, you're getting 12 miles per gallon. Like, this is insane. Minimum in Europe, you want to get out of any car is like 30 miles per gallon. Hmm. So like, I don't know if any of you have a Hellcat, but I have no sympathy for you. No, junk. Oh, like, I love cars. But like, Can't stand yeah. up to the 68s and 69s. Really? Yeah. I think those are like the classics. They're just trying to reproduce classic and horsepower. And like, you know, you're talking about another commodity there. That's something like, if Beta was here, he'd be very enthusiastic about it. But um, like classic cars, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's... I actually want to tweet about this, but I don't because I think it, everyone's staying quiet about it because it is such a great deal. But like, I have a vintage car because vintage because thirty years old. I pay a minuscule amount in my tax and insurance. Now my mileage or kilometerage is limited, but like, who the fuck cares? Like, if it's like five or six thousand kilometers a year when you're paying ten percent tax and insurance, and there's no emissions rating on it, um, and I think they're a great commodity with inflation. You know, um, I see Ash is saying, like, if you can drive in Ireland, you can drive anywhere in the world. Yeah, I I live in Australia, the UK and Germany. And like, they're so boring to drive in here. It's like it's crazy. It's like a rally course. The roads are bad. It's all twisting, turning. There's big ditches on either side. There's around there's 20 roundabouts around every village. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually surprised you made it out of live Ash. But yeah, I think like most of it is like, you know, like you, things going to change so quickly. I was looking at um, I was looking at an analysis on Zoom, you know, and the Zoom chart is, is ridiculous. It looks like the Burj Khalifa. So obviously COVID happened, remote working, everyone's doing that. Zoom went through the roof um, and everyone's like, oh, my God, this is the new tech stock to buy. And then, hey, like. It blew through the system. People are starting to go back to work and the price crashed. But that's actually not really the reason the Zoom price crashed because 
there was a bit of chatter today about, hey, look, if energy is so expensive, can people go to work? We might go back to all this remote working stuff. Zoom is going to pump. And the answer is no. You know, there's more than one thing going on here. Like Zoom probably topped out, blew off anyway, because there was so much frothiness and stonks at the time. But it topped out and pulled back because they couldn't displace Microsoft and Google, who basically give you video conferencing for free anyway. So you had Zoom reps going in going, hey, when I sell you this, Mr. IT person, Mr. IT person is going, hey, fuck you guys. This team started using your shit and caused a security fucking issue. And I had to pass that up and work on Friday night. And now you want to come in and put your fucking hand in my pocket? Get whatever, you know? And I was talking to somebody at, you know, at, at one of those tech companies about this. And they were like, these guys are coming in when it's a hard time now to justify extra spend with so much uncertainty. And they're trying to sell us something that we get. You know, you can even say like it's a superior product versus what Microsoft and Google have to offer. I don't believe so, but some people do. But like, you know, that chart is not going to recover. Uh, even though a lot of people today are kind of like, oh, because remote working is coming back, it has to be directly correlated. So I guess I'm making that point backwards because I made it in respect to be careful about picking stocks. You know, like you really kind of understand the industry. And most of the time I wrap my head around it and I still get freaked out because I'm like, I know nothing about this stuff. You really got to be in equities. I firmly believe you got to fucking be in size. You got to have an insight. In, insight. What do you think about batteries? I purchase, yeah. I purchase minimum $500 a month and I'm, and I'm constantly watching, you know, prices on batteries and they're already up like three dollars for for a 20 pack lithium man that's so interesting that you're seeing that when you're buying that quantity because you really see it yeah exactly i mean last week it was maybe a dollar 60 and now today when i amazon searched them they're freaking up at three dollars a pack more now yeah i looked at hundreds of batteries we go through monthly at the resort See, I looked at Lithium America's Corp. It's a stock. I think you buy it in Robin Hood and stuff as well. Yep. And I looked at it and I traded a bit. But, like, it is so affected by the news. It, it's too political in America. It's an American-listed and America-focused lithium extraction. But because, like, there's so much politics there in regards to, like, you know, I, I don't see it either way. I just see it that there's red tape and bureaucracy. The price is just like, it's not really doing like what normal chat should do, you know. So unless you're behind these guys and you've known them for years and you're like, okay, they're going to shoot the moon, they're going to deal with this bullshit, you know, I'd be kind of careful. But like, there's got to be a good edge there. That EFT, Johnny, might be useful for you because Charles, Charles knows the name of it. I keep forgetting it. He found it as well. Yeah. C8. That EFT, man. Because like, I had a lot of other stuff written down more about like how pensions are fucked because pensions are fucked. Like, I really believe, like, you got to manage your own stuff, which most people here are doing anyway because of crypto, because they're like, I want to do crypto because I'm not going to make it otherwise, <laughs> you know? Like, but I do believe, like, you know, if you've got a dumb, like, I'm going to say a dumb pension, just, if you put no effort into it, you're not going to be beating the market the next few years, I don't think. That's yeah. good stuff there, boy. Really good stuff. All right, wrap it up, Danny. Wrap it up so we can hear your voice. I was going to post... Oh, wait, here we go. I'm going to post that. And I think I turned it on. Yeah, so... How Credit Suisse are so fucking... Their debt has so much yield on it right now. It's because 
right up to when the war started, they were offering up yacht-backed bonds where the risks included the US sanctioned Russian oligarchs. So when there's like debt bubbles, I like don't shake yourself out of not believing like there is a crazy debt bubble right now. I will wrap it up tonight. I only owe 4,000 TC to the swear jar, but thank you very much for everybody for listening so I can bore you to sleep. Good night.